At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. All right, guys, we're back. I'm super excited. I want to make this dramatic. Dun, dun, dun. Previously on Case Watch True Crime Podcast. Wow, that was great, Mark. I know, I won't roll any more than that, but I mean, we left it on a to be continued. And this is an actual, that was a wicked long case. And I have been waiting for days to hear the outcome of this. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer, Mark, because I need a ruling. So get that finger ready to push that button. Wait a minute, this one? The one that's going to go in the air, dramatically, people. You you have one? You want me to hit it now? Yeah. All right, guys. Case Watch Court. is now in session. I haven't seen that much joy in your face in so long, Mark. I haven't had that much joy forever. I, I'm still just becoming myself, but let's get out of there. And what do you have? What is the ruling? Who sent this in? This is about me. Oh, I get to rule on charity. And I got beeped at by an angry driver who beeped at me and then drove past me. And I didn't look because I didn't want to give them the satisfaction of me seeing a middle finger, if that was the case. But this is about merge etiquette. Oh, boy. I don't know if I want to be on your side. If you got flipped off. No, you're going to be on my side because I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't do anything wrong. You Charity, you realize that I drive for a living, right? Mark. So I see it all. Mark. All right. So I, I I, I can't keep cutting off. Charity, present your case to me. Mark, I would like the freedom to express what happened to me because it was upsetting. Express yourself. Go ahead, Charity. Come on. <laughs> okay. So I want to I tell the people what this road looks like. Okay. So there's two lanes and you're waiting at a red light in these two lanes. Okay. Okay. When the light turns green, the lanes stay doubled. Okay. In the two lanes for a very short time. Then it goes down into one lane and then it goes back to two lanes where the left lane, you can only take a left. All right. Is this in our town by chance? Yeah. I actually, I think I know. Hold on. I'm going to mute it and I'm going to ask you. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, we. I do know the so, intersection. So it's weird. You described talk. it perfectly. I know this intersection. I hate this intersection. I hate this intersection too. All right. Were you on the left or right? So I now was, I'm going to formulate this. I was on the left lane. Okay. okay. So we the, it, the light turns. So we go. And I was a little further ahead of the person on the right. So I just simply merged right away. Okay. Well, this person was irate that I merged right away. How far? Okay. So since I know the intersection, did you made it? make it past into the single lane when you merge or did you merge over before then? I merged over before then. Okay. And he was mad. He was pissed. Okay. So right off the bat, you merged before the end. You didn't pull the typical no, move that every other I D bag does that. there and guns it all the way down because to the end. They want to be first. Yeah. I don't like that either. No, I did it the correct way. Cause this trust me, it's literally like a 600 foot stretch in between lights and it takes five minutes to get through there. It's pathetic. This person, and I'm not going to say if it was male or female, but this person, and I'm not going to say what kind of car they were driving, even though I, I thought it was a stupid car, but whatever this person <laughs> whipped by me and then whips down to the left turn only lane just, but goes straight instead of taking the left, just to, you know, prove a point. And guess what? As soon as he did that, he hit another red light. Ooh, sorry. They hit another red light. Yeah, we won't cut that out. So, <laughs> all right. So I, I'm on your side. This guy is, he's a douchebag. I consider myself a pretty, pretty good driver and, and consider it. I let people in. I let people merge. Of course, everyone makes mistakes when they're driving and they may cut someone off by a mistake or, you know, I apologize if I do that, but- this person was enraged. All right. So this goes into a bigger topic. Yeah. Merge etiquette. Merge I'll etiquette. tell you how I roll. I love, I can't wait to hear how Mac rolls. As everybody knows here for the time being, I drive a big truck. I drive a truck. That's what I do for my full-time job as of now. And basically I will turn that MF into a rolling roadblock. <laughs> so I notice that sign that says left lane ends half mile. So I get in the right lane. I'm not that one of those a-holes that have to fly by you at yep. the last second because I guarantee what I'll do is put my truck in the middle of both of those lanes and you ain't getting by me. And if you try, you're going to hit every mother effing cone <laughs> until you hit the guardrail. Yep. End of discussion. I agree. I agree. You have to know, think, think ahead of time. Don't just try to like speed by and, and get ahead of everybody. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you guys just because I love all of our listeners. Okay. So basically I hate when people say, Oh, the traffic. No, you are the traffic. <laughs> You're it. And if everybody followed very simple terminology, that's well known by traffic engineers, it's called the zipper people. So you don't go per prime example Without giving away where I live, worst intersection in town is right out my effing door. Yes, it is. This is the worst intersection in this town. And if you know where I live, now you know right where I live because this is the worst intersection. Mm -hmm. I come through here coming home in the middle of the night and that guy blows the um, uh, the stop sign down at the end of the road and almost kills me. It's like we're on the oh same schedule. And it's pathetic. So basically, if you're in an emerging situation, people... Think of it as a zipper. How easy does your zipper go up when you zip it? Yeah. Now think if your zipper was missing like five cogs on the left-hand side, would it, would it go or would it stop? It would stop. Absolutely. Think of that next time you're in traffic. So you go left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, back and forth. That's why it's called the zipper. When you do what you're doing, you are creating the traffic. 
So I don't know if you've learned anything here today on Case Watch, but yeah, you know that Mark drives aggressively. Yes. So Mark, what is your ruling? Am I a douchebag? Well, I mean, kind of for some stuff, but not on this charity. <laughs> ruling of the court. That guy's a douchebag. You're in the clear. Guys, Mark's sometimes a douchebag. <laughs> Well, we all are. I'm like one of the biggest D bags in the world. Sometimes when I get something in my head and if it's something that I wholeheartedly agree with, there ain't nothing you're going to do to get me off of my high horse. I hear you. All right, Charity, let's kick right in. I got to get back to this case because I have been waiting for this since we have paused and put this on a to be continued. So take it away. I will. October 6th, 1965 was Sylvia's last day of school. Gertrude called the school and simply informed them that the young girl had lost interest and decided to stop going. Again, no one from the school would investigate this. I'm sure teachers must have seen the bruises that everyone else saw. Yeah, I mean, I lost interest in school. God, second grade. Yeah. But uh, I'm pretty sure that would not have been a viable excuse for me to not continue along. I don't know. Weird. I feel horrible because I feel like the system has just let this poor, innocent girl fall through the cracks numerous times. There's been so many different examples of times that things could go differently. And I'm just scared to see where this goes now. Yeah. Poor Sylvia would sometimes pee herself because of the abusive attacks on her private area with the blast bottle. Isn't that horrible? I can't even imagine. Oh my God. She's damaged so much down How there. How old is she again? 16. Oh, my God. And she was a beautiful girl. Absolutely beautiful. Gertrude would decide that because she couldn't hold her urine anymore, she would have to live in the basement. There was, of course, no bathroom in the cold basement. So Sylvia was forced to poop and pee on the floor. Gertrude would nickname her Dirty Girl and decided she needed to come up with a method to cleanse the filth off of her. The evil woman would fill up her bathtub with burning hot water. Sylvia, with her hands and feet tied, would be put into the water. I'm sure burning her skin. After the tub... Good old Paula would scrub her skin with salt. Ouch. That is disgusting. Where does this person come up with this crap? That's I am my appalled. question. I really am. That I, does, first, it's bad enough you're putting her into this burning water that's probably burning her skin. So she, her skin's probably raw. And now they're rubbing salt on it. It's like a salt on a wound. It's basically, yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like a modern day tar and feathering is what this is. I just... It, it, this case has left me, uh, I'm sure you'll feel the same. When we're I done. already feel this way. Yeah. Kids from school were known to come to the house just to beat on Sylvia down in the basement. Coy, Stephanie's boyfriend, loved to go to the basement, slamming the girl's body down the cold basement floor. He was told to tie her up and she would be left like that for days. Many of the kids would find joy in putting cigarettes out on Sylvia's skin, making her cry. And she'd also be turned to a cash cow by Gertrude's children, as they would charge neighborhood kids a nickel to view her naked or to push her down the stairs. Uh, let's just let that sink in for a second. I am just unbelievably all of these, upset right now. All of these children and their friends are beating on this girl for no reason. Absolutely zero reason. If you tell me at the end of this that none of these kids were made to pay consequences for this too, I'm going to be super mad. You'll just have to wait. It was said that Paula beat Sylvia's face so badly that she had to go to the doctors to have it casted. She bragged Mark to the doctor about how she received the broken wrist. Still, no one investigated it. Paula just would return home and continue beating using the cast as a weapon. Ugh. Yeah. I, I am, I'm speechless. Usually I have something funny to try to break the ice or make this seem less, you know, bad. That's kind of my job in this. 
I, I have nothing. Like I am actually like my hand is shaking. Yeah. Like I am ridiculously just heartbroken. That's how I feel too. And the a doctor, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't can't know go back to use the sixties. I can't keep I using that as an excuse because stuff, even in the sixties like this should have been discovered and reported. This is absolutely unacceptable. So many people have dropped the ball and I'm just getting more and more mad as you speak. So yep. let's see how bad I get before the end of this. A 15 year old neighborhood boy named Ricky Hobbs would begin to frequent the house. Ricky came from a really good home and was an excellent student. His personality would start to change the more he hung out around Gertrude. At the time all of this was going on, Mark, um, I did read that Ricky's mom was very ill with cancer. So I don't know if he kind of, you know, things at home were, were bad so he or sad. So he was out of the house a lot because it did say he came from a really good home. Ricky would do anything Gertrude asked him to do. It was suggested by some that he may have been Gertrude's lover. Uh, uh, just threw up in my mouth. Yeah. It's just gross. Like the, the, the whole, such a big age gap. She, she could be his mother. Yeah. So, I, they were probably about the same age as her children. Exactly. That's what, well, some of her children were older than him. That's what I, I so I hope oh. that part's not true guys. Okay. You ready for this next? I, I guess I have to be. Gertrude used a needle to carve the letter I into Sylvia's stomach. She wanted to carve, I am a prostitute and proud of it. When she couldn't finish, she would just call on Ricky. He finished the sentence with the help of the spelling of the word prostitute from Gertrude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, it, may, it really makes me wonder, his mom is dying of cancer. Is yeah. this his way of like, people are messed up in the head. I'm not making excuses for anybody at all. So let me make that clear now so I can prevent the hate mail that's going to come in that I'm giving this kid an excuse. But maybe this is his coping mechanism, even though it is 100% wrong. And I'm not giving any reason to say that this is appropriate, but I just trying to put my mind into whatever perspective is causing this because a normal thinking person isn't going to do this. My God, I know to, to, oh, how they much that would have hurt? Found one psycho in the mom, and it seems like now they found a neighborhood one, mm -hmm. and these whole children yep. that are also causing all these issues. That I'm just I can't even believe all these people are under one roof. It's crazy. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ricky was also instructed to brand Sylvia with the number three. Gertrude would say, what are you going to do now? You can't get married now. Sylvia would whisper, I guess there's nothing I can do. Sylvia would say to her younger sister, I know you don't want me to die, 
but I'm going to die. I can tell. And that broke my heart when I read, like I could like get choked up right now. It's, there's an, it's just, hmm. Sylvia was kept mostly naked and was barely fed other than being made to drink her own urine and eat her own feces. Oh, she would become fully incontinent due to the beatings and lose control of her limbs. Around this time, Jenny was able to somehow send a letter to their older sister, Diana, explaining every horrible event that would happen and even asked for her to call the police. Diana was married and had her own family. Maybe she was overwhelmed with her own life. I don't know. She would disregard Jenny's plea for help, just assuming the young girl was making up stories and not wanting to be punished. That's sad. Huh? Yeah. You, ma'am, are also an effing douchebag. Yeah. I'm sorry. Douche hag. Hag. Yeah. I said bag earlier, but I think douche bag could be used for this. These people, too. I am just shaking my head over here. I can't even believe this story. Also around this time, Judy Duke, a 12 year old neighborhood girl, told her mother after being at the torture home, they're beating and kicking Sylvia. All her mother had to say was, that's what happens when someone is being punished. What? Not long after that, the family's church reverend, Roy Julian, would stop by the home as he did with all of his church members. I guess he would like stop by their home, maybe like once a month or something, trying to just keep everyone engaged, that type of thing. I mean, sounds like a nice, a nice thing to do. Gertrude would only complain about how difficult Sylvia was and how she was a prostitute, making sure to let the reverend know that her daughter, Paula, who was actually pregnant, was pure. The two would then sit and pray for Sylvia to be saved. There was no mention of the filth in the home. It would have been nice for the Reverend to ask to speak with Sylvia as well. So in other places where I read, it did say that he did ask to speak to her to find out where her head was at and was told that she wasn't available to speak with. So I, how much do you blame him? I don't know. It wouldn't matter though, Mark, because things would just continue on and the Reverend never got to talk to her. Diana, the girl's older sister, you know, the one that Jenny tried to get help from, would stop by the house to see her younger siblings. Gertrude told her she was not allowed in the house and that she was warned of Diana coming by the house by Lester, her father. Diana was then told to leave or the police would be called. The now very concerned older sister would go in the side yard until she spotted Jenny. So she kind of like hid out in the side yard. She was quickly told by her little sister once she got a hold of her that she couldn't speak to her. Diana's next step was to contact child services. A social worker went by the home and was told by Gertrude she had kicked Sylvia out because she was prostituting and because of how unclean she was. Gertrude even cornered Jenny and threatened her with the same torture her sister was going through. Because of this fear, Jenny lied to the social worker and told the same story. No one returned to the home and the torture would continue. Gertrude could tell the young girl was deteriorating, so she would allow Sylvia to sleep on a mattress in the upstairs bedroom. Oh, how sweet of her. Just a lovely woman. She would then receive a lukewarm bath instead of her usual scolding hot bath. Then back to the basement, she went. Sylvia was then forced to write a letter to her parents. This is what it says. This is really weird because she was forced to address it to Mr. and Mrs. Likens. Yeah. Not mom and dad. So here's how it goes. I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night and they said they would pay me if I would give them something. So I got in the car and they all got what they wanted. And when they got finished, they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body. And they also put on my stomach. I am a prostitute and proud of it. 
I have done just about everything that I could do just to make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. I've tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I have also cost Gertie doctor bills that she really can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck in all her kids. Strangely, Gertrude would instruct Sylvia to not sign the letter. Thought that was strange too. Yeah, that is weird. Like, I don't know. Soon after Sylvia was finished writing the forced letter, Gertrude started coming up with a plan to get rid of her. This plan would be to have John Jr. and Jenny take Sylvia to a garage and just leave her there to die alone. Sylvia overheard this plan and was able to gain the strength to make it to the front door. Unfortunately, due to her frailness, she was too slow and the female dog was able to grab her. I get what you're going there. Mm -hmm. I got what you're putting down, Charity. (sighs) Sylvia was then brought into the kitchen and fed some toast. She tried to eat the toast, but realized quickly she was unable to swallow. Probably because she's so dehydrated. She can't even, like her throat must have been partially closed. The pain. I'm sure prisoners of war were treated better than this lady is treating this child. Oh, definitely. I am appalled. It's appalling. This made Gertrude mad. So she would beat the girl in the mouth with a curtain rod. One that was just hanging right there. She took it off so she could beat her with it. Wow. John would then take Sylvia back to the basement where he would tie her wrist to the basement railing. The female dog again would then try to force feed crackers into her mouth. Sylvia resisted saying, feed it to the dog. It's hungrier than I am. Oh my God, this poor thing. This story is like hurt my insides to the core. Yeah. And it only gets worse. The response to Sylvia not eating crackers would be for Gertrude to punch her in the stomach as many times as she could. And then John would try to force feed her the poop from baby Denny's diaper. Oh my God. Yep. October 24th, the next day, Gertrude would attempt to kill Sylvia. She would throw a chair at her missing and hitting the basement wall instead. Then she would take her wooden paddle, you know, the one that she loves to to beat bare bottoms with, hoping to strike her in the head. She missed again and hit herself in the eye instead. Ha ha. Wish she could have knocked herself out. She's probably going to use that against her though. (sighs) Like, look what you made me do to myself. I can't even believe this person. October 25th, Gertrude, along with John and Coy, would continuously take turns beating Sylvia until Gertrude kicked her at her head until she was unconscious. When she woke up, this courageous young girl would spend the entire night banging on the floor and walls as hard as she could, making as much noise as she could, pleading for help. It was said that she found like an old shovel, like the end of the shovel, the part you use to dig, and that's what she was banging on the the wall and the floor with. No one ever came. The next door neighbors would later say that they thought about calling the police, but decided against it. I'm glad they thought at least. They thought about it. They wanted people to know they thought about it. That's like, that's even worse. We're not total scumbags. We thought about calling. You admitted hearing the noise. You admitted hearing banging. They even admitted to hearing screams. I was going to say, they had to have heard screaming or pain or something. Ah, I'm so mad. Charity, you did it again. You made me so mad. I'm sorry. The morning of October 26th, 1965, Gertrude told the children she was going to give Sylvia a warm bath. What a gal. Yeah. So nice of her. What a peach. Yeah, she's a peach. She would have Stephanie and Ricky bring her upstairs and place her in the bathtub, leaving all of her clothes on. Sylvia's limp body was removed from the bathtub when the evil family realized she wasn't breathing and there was no signs of any life left. Stephanie would unsuccessfully attempt CPR. This wasn't because they were upset that Sylvia was really dead, but because they were terrified of being caught. 
The group would then move the skeletal girl's dead body to the gross soiled mattress. The police were called, and as soon as they arrived, they would find Gertrude pretending to be grief-stricken. She would then hand the officers the letter that Sylvia was forced to write to her parents and told them the story of the prostitution and how Sylvia recently had run away and got injured, saying she was simply nursing her back to health. She didn't do those injuries, Mark. Oh, Nobody I'm so did. mad. Yeah, Nobody did those injuries. She was the lovely, kind woman who took her in and was gave her a nice warm bath to try to get rid of all the injuries. This reasoning would surely not make sense to the officers when they saw Sylvia's body. Her body was skin and bones. All her fingernails were bent backward and broken, probably from trying to claw out of the basement or I trying to just, climb to, out of a window. Ugh. There were wounds all over her body, some more healed than others, making it known there were many beatings, not just one. Deputy Coroner Arthur Kebble made note that Sylvia's lips were almost chewed through. When asked by one of the officers what happened, Jenny gathered enough courage to whisper, get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Poor girl. That's her sister. Her sister. Because of the state of Sylvia's body and Jenny nervously asking to be taken out of the house, the police would start making arrests. Good. Gertrude. Paula arrest every single person in that gosh darn house. I am like, I know he's living. I, I know livid Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John, Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy and Gertrude's possible teenage lover. Ricky were all arrested. Good. Other neighborhood kids were arrested for injury to a person. Mike Monroe, Randy Lepper, Duke and Cisco. Remember the girl who yep. beat, beat her up because she thought she said stuff about her mother. They were all among them. And I don't know if there were any other ones. It didn't really say. Dr. Charles Ellis performed Sylvia's autopsy. The cause of death, Mark, was torture. No sugar. I know. It's so hard not to swear. Mm, I have never wanted to swear so much reading a case than this. It was hard for me not to swear. I believe it. Let's get into the convictions and sentencing. Good. Hopefully they all never see the light of day. Gertrude Beneshevsky, the ringleader and head of this torture house, pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity at her trial in May 1966. She would go on to say that she had no memory of harming Sylvia, so the children must have done it. They must have done it all, Mark. May 19, 1966, Gertrude was convicted and found guilty of first-degree murder. She received a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. The people of Indianapolis were beside themselves with anger, believing if anyone deserved the death penalty, it was her. The Indiana Supreme Court granted Gertrude a new trial because of prejudicial atmosphere. This was in 1971. Of course people were prejudiced. I, they should yeah. be. They should be against her. This like really pissed me off. After learning all that she had done in the torture and killing of a young girl, you should just deserve another trial. Ugh, I'm sorry, I'm angry. August 5th, 1971, Gertrude would again be convicted of first degree murder. Although the sentencing would be different. Now it would just be 18 years to life. Are you serious? You should see the way me and Mark are looking at each other right now. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I am serious. That woman should not get the death penalty. That woman should be tortured for the rest of her life. Every single minute of every single day, they pick one thing that she had done to that little girl and they do it to her. Yep. I am. Wow. It gets worse. Speechless. While in prison, Gertrude would become a sort of quote unquote mom to the younger female inmates. She would work in the sewing shop and all of the young girls would call her mom in fact, she was the most well-behaved prisoner, a role model for all other prisoners. 
It was now 1985 and time for Gertrude's parole hearing. All of Indiana was outraged. She was even able to go before the parole board. The Likens family would go on TV to make sure everyone knew how against this they were and how they believed she should have stayed in jail for the rest of her life. Oh, shut up. You are just as at fault as she is. You had to know. Like, ah, I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. You can't blame it now. Say, oh, look, I feel so horrible. This happened to my daughter. Now it's all about me, 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 me. You're using this. Yep. You're 100% using this. This is no different than what's going on current day with some cases that we'll discuss in the future. I am so pissed off right now. Guys, Mark's really mad. I am because if they cared one iota what they're saying, they would have, they would have took their gosh darn kids out of that house forever ago. I agree. There were two groups that would go to Indiana to show support for the Likens. These groups were Protect the Innocent and Society's League Against Molestation. These groups would picket for two full months, gathering over 4,500 signatures from concerned citizens demanding Gertrude stay in jail until the end of her life. All this hard work would not be enough, and somehow Gertrude was granted parole. This is absolutely disgusting. And I'm going to say what you just said, pretty much. This is when I believe we need to sometimes go back to an eye for an eye. (laughs) Just like you said. Oh, somebody should 100% off this hag. But no, she gets to go on living her life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. During her hearing, the, can I say biatch? Sure. You, I entitle you to say that during this. Thank I'm you. so mad right now. Thank you, Mark. I, I thank you that you granted me the, the ability to use that word. During her hearing, the biatch had something to say. I'm not sure what role I had in it because I was on drugs. I never really knew her. I take full responsibility for what happened to Sylvia. Uh, no, you don't. You just made excuses for yourself. Yeah. Uh, you just said, I don't know how, uh, what role I played. Yes. She, you can't tell me she didn't. This is just typical scumbaggy behavior. This is the same thing when it comes to everything. If you're going to put uh, a justifier in front of your apology, it's not an apology. Nope. At all. Nope. To spare us. Nobody gives a crap what you have to say. How I just, how did she get out of jail? I don't understand it. I don't. I don't know. I am appalled. December 4th, 1985, just 20 short years after robbing Sylvia of a life, Gertrude walked out of prison a free woman. She would live in Iowa under the name Nadine Van Fossen. Remember her father's last name? Yes. She would only have five years out in the general population when fate would kick in. Gertrude would lose her life to lung cancer in 1990. Hope it was painful death. Sorry, not sorry. I wish you would have found fate a different way. I'm so mad. Paula Beneshevsky was convicted in second degree murder. She would appeal this and be granted a second trial. 
Before her second trial, she would enter a plea bargain of guilty to voluntary manslaughter. She would only serve three years in jail and then was out on parole. It's been said that she changed her name and moved to Iowa living on a farm. How charming. Oh, that's so nice. She only did three years. She was 17 at the time. So she only did three years and then she went off to live her life. Didn't the other one move to Iowa too? Yeah. This is uh, like field the dreams gone wrong. If you mm-hmm. build it, they will come. I don't think he was talking about all the killing douchebags. Mm-hmm. John Beneshevsky, Coy Hubbard, and Richard Hobbs were all convicted of a voluntary manslaughter. They all had to spend 18 months in a juvenile detention facility. Richard Hobbs would be 17 by the time he was let out of the facility. Feeling horribly guilty for what he had done, he would have a nervous breakdown. He began anxiously smoking many packs of cigarettes a day, greatly damaging his lungs. The damage was so bad that Richard would die of lung cancer at the age of 21. Huh, okay. Not another fate that was met. Well, I also don't feel bad for him. After being released, John Beneshevsky would change his name to John Blake. He would work as a truck driver for a bit, then work as a real estate agent. He would also become a lay minister and was known to counsel children of divorced parents. He was able to get married and have three children of his own. Remember, John was only 12 at the time of Sylvia's torture and murder. I'm not saying he shouldn't be held accountable. I'm just saying he was the most impressionable at the time. Yeah, I don't know. Well, to your point, like you said earlier, if he was petrified that it could be him instead of her, I mean, it could be part of the reason why he did what he was told. I don't know. It's very possible. But I also said that before I heard this whole case. And now it just has left such an impression on me. I I don't know, Charity. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. I'm going to be unpacking this one for quite a while. Granted, 12 years old, you really, your brain's not much developed, but you should have known the difference between right or wrong. And you should have at least been able to pass that along to somebody in a position of authority. Yeah. John would speak out once. This was in 1998. He would say that he took full responsibility for his part in Sylvia's murder and that a harsher sentence should have been given to him. So he felt his sentence wasn't strong enough. Okay. So at least he at least he has remorse over. And he it. didn't have any justification of like it's not my fault. No, he didn't. He took responsibility. Coy yep. Hubbard never changed his name and stayed in the Indianapolis area. He went to trial for another murder in 1982 but was acquitted. It was reported that he lost his job in 2007 and this was directly related to the release of the movie in American Crime. The story of Sylvia's death. I I, I want to see that movie. I didn't watch it yet. I'm going to have to watch this now. I read, like I said, I read a book on this, but I, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I, it is on my, I, I needed a little bit of a break, Mark. I don't blame you. I needed a break. Coy would die in June of that same year. It didn't say why he died or what the cause of his death was. So he basically kept going on in life and had failure to thrive pretty much and kept kind of getting in trouble with the law for whatever different things. And then would just die. He didn't really do much with his life at all. What a waste. What a waste of all of these people. I know. Except that old hag. Stephanie Beneshevsky didn't serve any time, even though she did admit to some of the torture. She was 15 at the time and likely rewarded for information to use at trial against her family. She changed her name and became a teacher. She got married and had children of her own. Oh boy. Yeah. Marie Beneshevsky was 11 at the time of the murder. She wouldn't receive any charges, but she would testify against her family. She was the only member of the family, Mark, that cried on the stand 
she would stay in Indiana. Shirley Banishevsky was 10 at the time of the murder. She admitted to heating a needle that was used to burn Sylvia, but no charges were pressed. Who knows if some of these younger kids feared for their mom, just like we said. Yeah, 10 years old, Charity. I have a hard time saying that somebody being 10 is at fault. They're so impressionable at that age. I mean, we've all had 10-year-olds. Right. I can't even imagine being put in that situation. And honestly, who knows how much scarring this did to this individual's you know, life. It yeah. really messed their brains up, I guarantee. Yeah. Not much else is known about Shirley. I couldn't really find any other information on like what she did as she moved along. James Beneshevsky, only eight at the time of the murder, didn't receive any charges and wasn't called to testify. Even though it was said he may have helped in the torture, nothing more is known of him. Dennis Lee Wright Jr. was just a baby at the time of the murder, so clearly he had no part in it. It's been said that he first went into foster care, then got adopted. His name was changed to Denny Lee White. He died in California in 2012. Lester and Betty Likens would get divorced in 1967. Betty had a hard time even formulating words on the stand. She felt so much guilt over Sylvia's death. She should. I know. Absolutely. She should. I don't feel bad for you. I'm sorry. I don't feel bad for you. Well, Jenny has said that she thought Betty was a good mother. Bullshit. I wish I had one of the buttons on this side over here. You got to get me a panel so I can start swearing more and just bleeping it out. Okay. Betty went on to remarry and died May 29th, 1998 at age 71. It is said that Lester was honest and so emotional on the stand that he was a key reason for Gertrude's conviction. He would die February, 2013 at age 86 in Fontana, California. So he mustered up some feelings on the stand. Well, yeah, the amount of guilt this guy must have, because in the back of his head, he can crocodile tear it up all he wants. But he's the reason those children were abandoned with this wench nozzle. There's a new word for you. I'm so mad. I'm making them up on the spot. He's the reason they were left there because he wanted the mother all to himself. Like, that's what I've gathered out of this whole thing. Hey, let's take off and become loser carnies. Yep. And let's abandon our children and let them be killed. Yep. I'm so this. Ah, I told you this one was this has got me. I'm so mad. Diana Likens has been quoted saying, you know, Diana, the older sister. Yes. They were both sweet, kind, loving and trusting. My sister, Sylvia, didn't even get to taste life. She was yanked up too early for a young lady. I just wanted everyone to know they were just sweet young ladies. You could have done something. Just saying. You could have stopped this at any point. Yep. Jenny Likens went on to marry and have two children, although she suffered from severe anxiety due to witnessing her sister's torture and murder. She has said she doesn't blame her parents for her sister's murder. Jenny would die June 23rd, 2004 from a heart attack. She was only 54 years old. Let's finish this horrific story by talking about Sylvia because she's the one we should be remembering. I agree with you. Yeah. First, I want to read something read at her funeral. Reverend Gibson would say, We all have our time of passing, but we won't suffer like our little sister suffered during the last days of her life. She has gone to eternity. During the last days of her life, this unfortunate child suffered for a long time. I am just devastated. Yep. Before Sylvia's untimely death, she was a normal 16-year-old girl. Her brown hair was long and wavy, and it was said she had an infectious smile. Her family gave her the nickname Cookie. She was a beautiful young lady. Sylvia was very protective of her sister, Jenny, who walked with a limp after having polio. 
She was infatuated with the Beatles, like many, and loved to roll skate. Sylvia would often babysit for money. One of her favorite ways to spend her money was to take Jenny roller skating. This next part's going to really get you. Oh, boy. Yeah. This whole story has gotten me. She would tie her skate to Jenny's good leg, and off they would go. Oh, wow. That is the sweetest thing I have ever heard. It, like, this That made me cry. I like literally couldn't control myself after I read that. It just shows what a super sweet and loving teenage girl she was. June 2001, a six foot tall granite memorial was dedicated to Sylvia Likens. It sits in Willard Park, Washington Street, Indianapolis. Members of the Likens family would be at the dedication along with several hundreds of people. Here is what the memorial says. This memorial is in memory of a young lady child who died a tragic death. As a result, laws changed and awareness increased. This is a commitment to our children that the Indianapolis Police Department is working to make this a safe city for our children. As Mark always says, guys, let's do better. Yeah. Let's not forget the Sylvia likings of the world. Let's work together to protect and help each other along in life. I know that I personally will never forget Sylvia and this heinous acts against her. I will remember that name forever now. Oh, 100%. If this story alone, people is not enough to make you not become those D bag neighbors who knew what was going on and never said anything. I don't know what would, Nope. I really don't do better, do better. Absolutely do better. I am just blown away. So the book that I read uh, was called house of evil and it's by John Dean and it was a good read. All right. Make sure you guys check that out. It was a good read. There were, some things in there that I didn't read about. There were some things in there that I read about that weren't in the book too. So, but it's a good read. I suggest. Definitely check it out. All right, Charity, you have outdone yourself again. Just when I think you can't find a more horrendous case. Well, you do. I do. All right, guys, make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod. Follow us individually on Instagram. Remember, I'm first. And I'm more important. So you want to follow at not Mark B on Instagram. You want to follow charity for some ungodly known reason. Charity underscore case watch guys, guys, come on team charity. That wasn't nice. Just because it wasn't nice. It should be team charity. No, it's team Mark for the win. No. I'm going to beat you. No, you are. no, I'm still beating him guys. Let's yes, keep it going. Is. Come on. The support's awesome. Let's go. All right. Speaking of time to go, it's time for us to go. Text and voicemail line 603-212-4600. Email info at casewatchpodcast.com. Visit our website for links to all of our merch, stickers, plus you can join the exclusive Crime Creep Club by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee tab, www.casewatchpodcast.com. All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.